Good morning. Again. This is awesome. I'm uh, so grateful for this opportunity. Uh, when, when David asked, you know, hey, would you want to preach during this series? I was like, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, there are, uh, I'm so grateful to, to be the worship leader here. That has been an answered prayer. I could, I could write a rock of testimony for that as well. Um, and I actually just may do that. Uh, the God's uh, faithfulness and kindness to allow me to be able to be the worship leader here. But, but I love teaching too. And, and I, uh, you know, as David has said so many times, um, to us, you know, throughout, not just this series, but I, I just think throughout, uh, you know, God, there is a calling on agape to be a house of prayer in some form or fashion. And, and it's, it's been like my first stint here. Uh, we, I, we were talking about it then, uh, but, and we're still talking about it. And I, I just, I'm so excited because I feel like, and, and I don't think I'm alone here. I think the Lord really is stirring something right now to bring to fruition a cry of the heart that has been on the leadership from uh, of Agape for so long now. And so it's so amazing to see the Lord using this uh sermon series that he put on David's heart to to really begin to birth this this house of prayer mentality. I I would say birth it but probably take it to the next level. I think we've We've had the call to be the house of prayer, and we have done that. We have faithfully tried to walk that out, but I feel like we're about to kind of level up, if you will. And uh, it's so exciting to be a part of and and such a blessing to to see. And I am just so grateful to just be able to to share with you this morning uh, just a little bit. Um, I do want, you know, before we kind of get into what I want to share with you today, uh, you know, David has laid some awesome groundwork. Uh, around the house of prayer and being house of prayer and practical ways to pray and, um, and just the various ways we can build each other up in prayer and, and, and love each other and becoming that house of prayer that he's called us to. But I want to, I want to take a, just a moment and just review the previous Sunday's one word topics. Um, and if you haven't, if you've missed some Sundays, I encourage you to go back and, and look at those either through the church app or through the website. Uh, and just listen to those and be a part of those because these, uh, as he's done, he's done one word topics for each Sunday. So the first Sunday of this series, the word was present and we talked about how to be with God relationally and to be present with him and he with us in prayer. And that in and of itself is a present. The next Sunday, uh, the word was confidence and we talked about how the Holy Spirit uses the scriptures to give us confidence in prayer and how unbelief and disobedience are direct deterrence to prayer. But also, it's a, a fruit of a prayerless life as well. The next Sunday, we had help. The word was help. And we talked about how our God provides sufficient help to overcome every type of weakness that would prevent us to pray through the power of his Holy Spirit living in us. He is the helper. And uh, then we had a, the next Sunday we had uh, the word ask. How we must embrace prayer as a means of relational maturity versus a transactional success. I thought that was a great line from that message. And we also looked at Paul Miller's model of 
good asking versus selfish asking versus not asking at all. And so that was, that was really good. And then last Sunday, the word was earnest. Uh, we learned the importance of our disposition in prayer to be persistent, knowing that God will answer and trusting that it will be in the best way possible. So today's word, any guesses? You may have seen it up on the screen already. It, uh, I think there was a slide that I posted them. Worship. Ah, well, surprise. I'm the worship leader. Get it? No, I'm just kidding. All right. So today's word is going to be worship. And what today I want to do is just focus in on how worship and prayer are intrinsically connected to each other. Worship and prayer. And we're just going to walk through that, look through that, um, and just take kind of a, uh, just a, a brief little snippet, to be honest with you. This this will just be a blink. I, I feel like this alone could be a topic we could spend the rest of the year on. Um, but we're first going to take just a quick look specifically at the word worship. I want us just to understand the basic meaning of this word before looking at its connection to prayer. So if you're note taker and you've got the little bulletin, uh, this is the first blanks we'll come up to. And, and so worship is our response to what we value most. Let's say that again. Worship is our response to what we value most. You know, we can value many things throughout a giving day. Uh, but, but when that which we value is over and above our love and value of our relationship with Jesus, we enter into idolatry. And when I say idolatry, you know, everybody, you know, at least my mind always goes to these little statues or trinkets or something. I'm not talking about that. That doesn't really, like in our world today, those aren't really the idols we necessarily have to worry about. But the idolatry I'm talking about, it can be things like work, family, sports, money, comfort. And for those of you who are fasting these 21 days, even food, can I get an amen? Uh, all of those things are not inherently sinful on their own. They only become so when we value them too highly. When they become the worshiped instead of the instrument by which we worship. As David read just a moment ago in, in Colossians 3.17, talking about doing everything in the name of the Lord, Paul also gives the church in Corinth a similar charge. We see in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do can become an idol or everything we do can bring glory to our great God. That's going to take us to today's life truth. So again, in your bulletin, if you're taking notes and filling in the blanks, the life truth we have today is when we value Jesus above all things, our desire will be to commune with him, which in turn is prayer. So when we value Jesus above all things, in other words, when we worship him as he is rightly to be worshiped, the desire becomes, Lord, I want to know you. I want to commune with you. And that in and of itself is prayer. 
So now that we've kind of taken a look at the word worship, let's zoom just a little bit into the specific aspect of worship. One that, uh, you know, we commonly associate with the word when we say worship. We, a lot of times, at least my mind, and I know a lot of others, minds go to the music and singing aspect of worship. Even though we call this the worship service, um, you know, and, and we really do believe it. We say it a lot. I know the leadership says it a lot, but every aspect of this service is worship to the Lord. Even giving is worship to the Lord. But typically when we say the word worship, we think of music. So we're going to look at that today. What I want to show you, and again, as your notes, as you're taking notes, music is way more powerful than we realize. So the word there is powerful. We underestimate its impact from both the good and bad perspectives. What you listen to most definitely affects you. So what you listen to most definitely affects you. Uh, going on with the, uh, with the blanks here, music has a way of infusing thoughts, images, ideologies. I think I put that word in there for you. So you didn't have to figure out how to spell that one. I had to look it up myself, but, but it has a, a way of infusing thoughts, images, and ideologies to our heart and mind like nothing else can nothing else. Seriously. You don't believe me? All right. I'm big on object lessons. So we're going to do an experiment. This is going to be for really the older folk in the room. So apologies to you youngins, but what I hope you get out of this, you're not going to get to play along, but what I do hope you do is get the lesson behind it. All right. So I'm going to call this the parable of the jingle. Yeah, here we go. I've got five of them. I'm going to sing the first part of a commercial from back in the day, and I'm going to look to you guys to finish it out. Okay. So don't leave me hanging here. Okay. Let me hear you. Y'all ready? The best part of waking up is. All right. Good so far. I don't want to grow up. I'm a. Okay. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. All right. Doing good so far. Three out of three. Sometimes you feel like a nut. All right. Good job. Now this one's just a little bit harder. So let's see if you can get this last one. I'd like to teach the world to sing. Wow. Five out of five. You nailed it. Now, why in the world was that important? Good question. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no. Why that was important is, and these young people get this, these jingles haven't been around for 20, even as long as 40 years, 20 to 40 years. Yeah. That made me feel real old when I thought about that, but yet multiple of us, you heard it throughout the, throughout the congregation, multiple of us were easily, I mean, didn't even skip a beat and even sang it. So good job. Some of y'all need to come talk to me later. Cause I mean, we've got some spots open up on the worship team, but, uh, but I mean, just, just right there, didn't even skip a beat 20 to 40 years. We haven't heard these things and bam, right there. That's what I wanted you to get. Music is powerful. Music is powerful. You know, we, we take for granted the, 
print today. And I would include digital print in that today. You know, I'm obviously preaching even from an iPad, but, but we take for granted print and, and we forget that, you know, we didn't start really having multiple copies. By the way, I'll take that opportunity to say, if you or your kid needs a copy of God's word, I love the fact that we make those available. So please, if you need one, you want one, you don't have a Bible, or maybe you have, you want to share one with somebody, you know, doesn't have a Bible. We have those available up here. So please come see me, David, uh, Nick. I mean, you know, somebody will get you one, uh, so that you can either use it or uh, yourself or take it and share it with somebody who needs one. So I'll, I'll take that. But, but back mid 1400s, which really that sounds a long time ago, but it really wasn't in the grand scheme of things. 14 mid 1400s. That's when the printing press really kind of made printing available. And, uh, you know, you, before then writing a book, writing just a book was a big deal. It was hard. And much harder still, you, you want to make copies of that book? Are you kidding me? You know, that meant people sitting down and literally writing out copies of your book. They didn't run down to Staples and go, hey, I need, you know, 500 copies of this or go to a publishing company and go, hey, I'd like to print my book. Would you sign me and, you know, print millions of copies of it? No, we take for granted that print today just because we have it so readily available to us. But before then, songs were used. Actually, they were a powerful tool, and they were used to pass down important events in a way to easily remember. I love the fact that we talked about the rocks of remembrance today, too. That goes right along with it, the the rocks of remembrance. Why, why, why are these stones piled up here? Well, let me tell you about what God did when we, you know, to to help us remember what what God did there. But songs were used as well to recount the works and nature of our God for the purpose of passing them down generations to generations in order for them to not easily forget. That's powerful. I mean, music, God has has made music so powerful. We see here where God even commands it at times in Deuteronomy 31 Verses 19 through 22, I'm actually just going to read verse 19 and verse 22, but you can read the whole passage if you jotted that that, uh, passage down. But Deuteronomy 31, 19, uh, God tells Moses, Now therefore write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. That didn't sound like a happy song. Didn't sound like a good song. Uh, that's, that's not the song you want God to tell you to write, <laughs> you know, but he did it. We see in verse two, 22. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. So he didn't waste any time. God said, write this song down as a testimony. And he, he wrote it down and he immediately started teaching it to the people of Israel. It wasn't like the songs we have today either, you know, like a, a verse and a chorus and then you repeat the bridge 10 times. Uh, it, it was like, you know, it's pretty long. Songs in the Old Testament, if you don't, some of them are really long and they don't really feel like they have a chorus. So you're like, wow, they remembered these, they memorized these and, but somehow, some way and the way they did it, they, they put it to song and it helped them remember these, these long testimonies of what God has done, God is going to do, God is doing. 
You can read it in chapter three, uh, 33, by the way. That's uh, Moses' song. That Pretty much that whole chapter is, like I said, it's pretty long. And I don't really kind of catch a whole verse there or a chorus there. He couldn't print out multiple copies. You know, he didn't start like running his printer like and then start handing them out to the leaders. Hey, y'all go pass these out to your people, you know, 12 copies and then, you know, multiple copies per clan and all that kind of stuff. He didn't, ha- he didn't have that luxury. So he wrote it down and then he's like, okay, guys, here we go. Let's learn this song together today. That was pretty much, they gathered, I mean, it had to take a while to learn the song. You got to think through this. You know, a lot of times we read it and we just kind of don't really take into what that really meant. You go to chapter 33 and you look at that song and then you got to go, well, how did that really work? Moses go, Hey, everybody gather around, got a song to teach you. And you're not going to like it very much, but you need to learn it, uh, you know, kind of deal. And so I guess they just kind of went repetition and sang it till they got it. So it's pretty impressive, but it shows you the power of song and how a song can get stuck in your head. So uh, to your next line of notes and blanks in your uh, handout, I want to tell you that the Lord has designed music. He created music. He designed music to be a powerful medium to proclaim a message in order to perpetuate a mandate. He uses it. He's used it back then. He uses it today, even though we do have the, you know, the, the luxury of print and digital. Um, but, but he uses it. He uses music to be a powerful medium to proclaim a message in order to perpetuate a mandate. Throughout the scripture, there are songs in response to the awesome works he has done from Moses and Miriam's song in Exodus 15. After the Israelites were delivered through the Red Sea and saved from the Egyptians, they didn't waste any time, boy. They were hooping and hollering, and then all of a sudden, just song breaks out. Moses writes a song, and then Miriam comes up with her tambourine, and she's like, hey, I'm joining in. Here's my verse. You know, and it's it's good stuff. They were They were excited. The Lord had delivered them from the Egyptians. Then there's Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 2. After the Lord blessed her with Samuel, after having been barren for so long, she pours out a song to the Lord of praise. Jumping to the New Testament, you have Mary's Magnificat. It's what it's known as, Mary's Magnificat in Luke 1. And this is in response to Elizabeth's prophetic blessing over her for being chosen to carry Jesus, the Son of God. How awesome is that? She comes and visits her, her uh, I guess her cousin Elizabeth, walks in. Elizabeth's pregnant with John the Baptist. John the Baptist starts going crazy in her womb. And and then, you know, Mary starts telling her, uh, the, the situation and Elizabeth says, blessed are you. And then when she receives that blessing, Mary's like, well, if you're going to bless me, I'm going to bless God. And then we just, she just starts a song right there. It's pretty powerful. Check them out. If you need those verses again, Exodus 15, that's the uh, Moses and Miriam song. First Samuel two, Luke one is Mary's uh, Magnificat. Songs are extremely powerful and what you listen to impacts you and songs of worship will most certainly impact your prayers. That brings us to the main verse I want to focus on today from what David read in our sermon text. Colossians 3.16 is really where I'm living. I tell you what, Colossians, you know, I just can't. Kevin, I think, is, you know, he's he talks about a lot where Romans, he just can't get out of Romans, and he's just been reading Romans over and over and over again. 
And Colossians is that for me. I don't know what it is. I just, I love the book of Colossians. So I commend it to you, but that's why, uh, you know, I just, I loved having that whole passage there, which was, was strong, but we're really going to look at just kind of focus in on, uh, chapter three, verse 16. I'm going to read that verse again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. So here we see three ways songs of worship will impact our prayers. This doesn't mean that a worship song can only fall into, you know, one of those categories. All right, this song has to be psalm. This song has to be a hymn. This song has to be a, you know, a spiritual song. It doesn't mean that. I mean, any given song could potentially have all three categories, you know, all three boxes checked. So I don't want you to kind of get in that mentality. We're not zooming into that level of detail. You know, some songs might just be a a hymn. Some songs might just be a psalm. Some songs might just be a spiritual song, but they don't all have to be that way. So I definitely want to say that up front, just so we don't kind of get too uh, zeroed in. So let's look at each category to see the differences and how the Lord uses them. So the first one there is psalms. When it speaks of the psalm, here it means music, striking of chords on a musical instrument, a set piece of music, a sacred ode. The clear intention here is for instruments and voices to be used together. But I believe it's also referring to the Psalms, specifically in the scriptures. A lot of times we kind of forget that too. I do. I'll read them as scripture, but they really were songs. They really were. They, you know, you'll see a lot of the headings of them set to music, set to the lyre, set to the, you know, whatever, you know, David's, you know, Psalm of this on a harp, you know, that kind of thing. So these were songs. And so I think specifically there's some reference to, you know, the actual Psalms in the scriptures as well. The Holy Spirit uses the worship in Psalms. And here's a blank to fill in. The Holy Spirit uses the worship in the Psalms to help fuel our prayer. He fuels it. Just as fuel is an, is an igniting agent, worship stirs our emotions through affection for Jesus as well as faith to believe him. Turn to any Psalm in the scriptures and you'll see they are filled with emotion. You've got anger and joy. You got turmoil and peace. You got sorrow and happiness, doubt and confidence. All the while, these gamut of emotions are being poured out through prayer, singing as prayers to God. I want to look at uh, one specifically here. Psalm 6, 1 through 10 says, To the choir master with stringed instruments, according to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. And then it says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Do you hear that? I'm languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. 
My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. You see, he's starting to turn the corner there. Boy, he was he was having a major pity party there at the first. But here he's starting to kind of, well, wait a minute. No, let me let me start turning the corner here. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled, and they shall turn back and put me to shame in a moment. Now, look, <laughs> that's a really, you realize it says a Psalm of David. David was going through a pretty rough patch during that Psalm. I mean, when he was writing that down, boy, he was having, he was having a time. I mean, there's just no other way around that. I mean, the anguish and the bitterness and the despair there in the first few verses, is just like, ugh, it's gut-wrenching. I mean, by the end of the song, though, he has encouraged himself in the Lord, that the Lord has heard his prayer and he will be delivered. That is just a one little picture of a gamut of emotions that's there. I mean, you can see it's not just, you know, kumbaya, my Lord. I mean, like he's, he's really having a time and he's telling God about it and that's okay. But then we see in Psalm 33, I'm just going to read the first five verses of Psalm 33, but I want to see you, uh, I want you to see the flip side of that as well for the Psalms. It says, shout for joy in the Lord. Oh, you righteous Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Man, that, I mean, he's pumped. You know, that's a, that's one of those praise songs. You know, you're getting pumped when you're singing that one. The psalmist here is just full of excitement and he's pouring it out. Get this in loud shouts of praise, loud, not quiet, loud shouts of praise and the instruments. He wasn't just screaming and overpowering the instruments. The instruments were right there with him. Loud shouts of stringed instruments and loud shouts. It's good stuff. Shouts of praise to the Lord for his mighty faithfulness and his steadfast love. I'm going to tell you, there's not a mood you find yourself in, or at least let me just challenge us, because I mean, I can't say that with uncertainty. I haven't done a deep dive throughout them all, but, but let me just challenge you. There's not a mood you find yourself in that a psalm will not identify with. Not a mood, not an emotion, but at the same time, You'll find it fueling you. If you'll read it, you'll search it, you'll seek it, you'll you'll start reading it and praying it and singing it. It'll start fueling you to seek the Lord in response. So the next word in uh, those three are is the word hymn, hymns. The word used for hymns in this passage, I, I love it. It's uh, the way they define it. It's a sacred song used in praise of might and heroism. Boy, that sounds strong, doesn't it? A sacred song used in praise of might and heroism. Here's your next blank. Singing hymns can help focus our prayer. Psalms fuel our hearts. Hymns focus our prayer. When we sing of the Lord's strength and might and the rescuing power of our all-powerful God, we are taking the focus 
off of ourselves. Isn't that hard to do sometimes? Just taking that focus off of ourselves, our situations, our issues, our fears, our concerns, but, 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 but God, you know, it's, it's hard to do sometimes, but when we get into that mode of, of put a hymn on, put something on that's going to turn your heart and your mind and focus onto Jesus away from yourself and focus on the one who can make the difference, Jesus Christ, the Lord. The Lord will also use songs of worship to focus us in battle and help us keep praying with diligence. You know, our flesh can grow weak. But songs of worship will kind of help help us refocus and, and get that diligence we need. Judges 5 verse 11 says, To the sound of musicians at the watering places where they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. And then it says, then, and this is, I think this starts the song, then down to the gates march the people of the Lord. And then it kind of carries on from there. It's awesome. It goes on to tell of how the Lord delivered Israel through Deborah, the prophetess, Barak, and Jael. He delivered Israel from the king of Canaan at the time. And he used them to do it. But when he did so, guess what? They wrote a song about it and, and it's there. So you can read about it there. Songs like that turns our focus away from the situation and onto the great deliverer. They had a time with this king. It was not an easy time. They had fallen away from the Lord, yes, but the king was, I mean, bearing down on them. They were having, they were having bad times. It was not good. And they cried out to the Lord and the Lord raised up Barak, who then also raised up Jael to deliver Israel. And then so they sang praise, songs like this. I mean, it, it helps us. It stirs us. You know, ironically, who y'all read from Psalm 40 earlier, didn't you? Didn't you? Know? Yeah, well, I have that one too. I actually uh, have the first five verses of it. I wanted to read this one. We have Psalm 40. It encourages us in waiting upon the Lord and the bountiful blessing that comes with doing so. So here are the first five verses. Again, I'm going to read that title just because since we're talking about worship, I think it's fun to read those. To the choir master. So this is an instruction to the choir master. Uh, I'd like to submit a title change for me. I'd like to be called the choir master. For, no, I'm just kidding. Play. Uh, uh, a Psalm of David. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. How about that? I want to give a, a real-life example. I asked him if he mind me sharing it, but uh, Rob texted me a few weeks ago. He uh, had a friend that uh, just received some bad news um, just uh, a, from his doctor. Uh, they had run in some biopsies on some things, and the doctor was telling him, says, probably not going to be results we want. Um, and so very, very discouraged. They had just received that message. 
And so Rob texted me and said, Hey man, uh, Patty and I are about to go pray for, for my friend. Do you have some songs just to kind of help in this time, you know, just to, to share. So, you know, just to encourage and to strengthen and to just focus on the Lord. And it was such a blessing to be asked that. So I was like, yeah, man, I sent him a few. I was like, Hey, here's some just to, you know, to stir your faith and here's some to, you know, to, to just help them kind of realize that, you know, this may be a tough time we're about to walk through, but we will trust in the Lord. But that's awesome. I mean, I love that. So good. It was a beautiful example of using worship and prayer together to help his friend focus on the Lord and not his situation. This brings us to the last type of song mentioned in this verse. Spiritual songs. The word used for spiritual here is pneumatikos. That's the Greek word. I'm not about to get into Greek. I've never studied Greek. So, but you know, hey, I have a, I have a digital lexicon and I'm not afraid to use it. So pneumatikos, it's, it's the, the root word here is pneuma. And you've probably heard that like pneumonia. Uh, that, those kinds of words come from that. But it, the root word is pneuma. This is used when referring actually to the Holy Spirit throughout the scriptures. But it literally means breath. Nematicos used here is in the context of songs, and it means to be prompted by or in the Holy Spirit. When our worship is prompted by or in the Holy Spirit, here comes a blank to fill in, the Lord uses these spiritual songs to fasten the things of heaven to the stuff of earth. He fastens the things of heaven to the stuff of earth, to fasten ourselves to the one who rescued us and empowers us to walk against the desires of the flesh so that we can walk according to the spirit. Jesus even prays for this when he teaches his disciples in Matthew 6, verse 10. This is part of uh, the Lord's prayer where the disciples asked him, hey, teach us to pray. And he says, sure. And part of it here is in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How mind blowing is that? Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord uses the spirit of God to fasten heaven to earth. So as Jesus prayed on earth as it is in heaven, let's look back at one of the verses Anna read to open our service. It gives us a picture of heaven here. Revelation chapter five, verse eight, it says, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Wow. The prayers of the saints. What a beautifully powerful picture of how our prayers are presented before the Lamb of God in heaven. Whoa. But as you see, it's also in this picture, it's in conjunction with worship. That's what I mean when I said earlier that they're intrinsically related. Worship and prayer are intrinsically connected to one another. We see this. They're holding the harp. They're holding the bowl. So whenever you think... Prayer isn't that important. Whenever you think, ah, well, I'm just, I'm just going through the motions. I'm just wasting time. What is prayer? You know, sometimes we get in that flow of, uh, you know, he already knows what I need. That's what everybody says. So why pray anyway? 
Well, get a picture of this. I pray that when those times get creep into our hearts and minds, I pray that we begin to see this picture in Revelation 5, verse 8. Whenever we think prayer isn't that important, may the Lord bring it to our minds and put worship in our hearts and add one more prayer to the bowl of incense. Amen. All right. Now, uh, what does it look like to sing spiritual songs? So it has a few different forms, but typically they're spontaneous. They're not prompted um, or, or they, they are prompted by the Holy Spirit. So they're kind of spontaneous. They're not planned out is what I meant. So they're, they're prompted by the Holy Spirit. There are times when out of response to something, I mean, surely I'm not the only one here, but out of response to something like a song to the Lord just wells up in your heart. A lot of times, you know, you just be walking through the house, you know, and all of a sudden just a song pops in your mind and you start singing it out. Well, you know, that, that can be a spontaneous spiritual song to the Lord. I love how in the midst of our Sunday morning prayer times we have before the service, and I, I, we've seen it, honestly, at worship practice. We've seen it at Men's Grow. I'm sure other uh, small groups as well have experienced this, but I love just how in the midst of prayer, somebody almost all the time or somebody somewhere in the midst of prayer, they're gonna, they'll just burst out a chorus. It's something the Lord put on their heart that we all know and we all sing together. So it's, you know, and that... The Lord just uses it as a part of the prayer. It's so rich. Those are so, those times are so good. But Paul also instructs the church in 1 Corinthians 14, 15 of a different type of spiritual song. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, he says, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So we see here that there is a singing and praying in the spirit, which hold on to your seats, everybody. It can be tongues. It can be tongues. And that should not freak us out or scare us in any way. It is a gift from the Lord. I want to take a second and exhort us in this area just for a brief second. So hang in there. We have to demystify tongues. I know our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, they, they swung that pendulum way over here and saying, Hey, you ain't baptized in the Holy Spirit. if you ain't speaking in tongues, you ain't got nothing. If you ain't speaking in tongues, everybody should be speaking in tongues. And that's not right. That's not biblically accurate. That is an unbiblical expectation that tongues is the sign of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not true. And that everyone should do it. Not true. But I feel like most other Protestants, we've swung that pendulum way over here to where it's pretty much non-existent and we ain't doing it. <laughs> you know, don't understand it, don't want to, don't want to do it, no thank you. We'll leave that to whomever else, to our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. You know, I also want to say that that's not the only type of spiritual song. So there is another prophesying is yet another gift that can be stirred up through musical worship that should not scare us. We see in first Samuel 10 verse five here it says, uh, this is, this is Samuel. Uh, you know, he's, this is around, uh, when he anointed Saul to be king, 
And he said, he says, after that, you shall come to Gilbeath Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them prophesying. So as you see, I mean, there is, there are multiple ways that the Lord uses music and worship and spiritual songs here. And we don't need to be afraid of them. We honestly, we should not just tolerate them. Yeah, that's fine for our, for them over there. That's great. We'll tolerate it as long as it stays over there. Or, you know, we honestly shouldn't just even welcome it. But as first Corinthians 14 tells us, we should earnestly desire the gifts of the spirit, which includes those crazy cousin Eddie gifts called tongues and prophecy, you know? We got it. We got to be there. It's, it's biblical. It is biblical. We can't be afraid of it. Paul tells us in first Corinthians 14, 26, he says, what then brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. It's not been much, but I have seen and heard both used in prayer and worship very powerfully it where where it literally fueled the hearts of believers to focus their attention on Jesus in a way that fastened heaven to earth and moved mightily it was beautiful it was beautiful but it hasn't been much but i have seen it and it built up the body the church So as we look today at three different ways worship can help impact our prayers through the Psalms being fuel to ignite our prayers, hymns being sung to focus our prayers, spiritual songs that well up within us as we abide in Jesus to fasten heaven to earth through our prayers. I want to take just another moment to circle back to the beginning of that verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom. I mentioned at the beginning how worship and prayer are intrinsically connected. We walk through how we can and should utilize worship when we pray. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We've looked at all that. But its foundation must be a focus on Jesus and his word. A big part of that is having the word of Christ not just dwelling in us, but as that, as that verse says, dwelling in us richly. And so I'll end here with, with a quote. Uh, here's your final blanks to fill in. It's a quote by Donald Whitley, uh, a book called Praying the Bible. Real short book, but it's really good, really good. But this quote here, he says, The Spirit of God will use the Word of God to help the people of God pray increasingly the will of God. So my prayer is today that I've just whetted your appetite. This was just kind of a little appetizer, throwing it out there for you. And may the Lord stir within us as individuals and in our individual relationship with Jesus, as well as just the body here and the mandate we have before us to become the house of prayer he's calling us to be and to worship and pray, and both of those being at its core a piece of being that house of prayer.
I'm going to go ahead and call the uh, worship team up, which just feels weird. I feel like I should step up here now. But yeah, if the worship team would go ahead and make their way back up. I want to open up a time to respond to the Lord. If the Lord is stirring in you to become more of a house of prayer yourself, the altar is open. Now, this isn't a magical place. We've said it before and, and can't say it enough. This isn't, this, you know, something doesn't happen here anymore so than it's going to happen in your chair. But what that, what this is, is just kind of an open outward response to something the Lord is doing in your heart. Some people need that. Some people don't. And it's okay. But I, I would say if the Lord is stirring you to kind of do something, take action in some way, the altar is always there. If you want someone to pray with you, our prayer partners, prayer partners, you guys can go ahead and start making your way up over here to this side over here. If you want somebody to pray with you, saying, you know, I don't know what all this is about, but I want to go deeper in it. Can you just pray with me that the Lord will stir in me to become a house of prayer? I'm, I'm hearing it. I hear all these, uh, these messages about it, this series, and I, and I know the Lord's calling me to do something with it. And you want somebody to pray with you about it. That's what they're there for. I'll, uh, there is another main focus they're there for today, though, as we're all up in the 21 days of prayer and fasting a week into it. Together as a church, today we focus on praying for salvations. So those who, who the Lord has put on your heart, friends, family, loved ones, that you you know they're not walking with the Lord, that's what these prayer partners are here for too as well. They will pray with you for that person or people. So please, take advantage of it if you need it. That's what they're there for. But respond to the Lord one way or another. Now, if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you're hearing all this and you're like, okay, some of this is just wackadoo. Some of this, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, you know, I don't know what's going on, but there is a stirring in me and I want to know more about Jesus. I don't really know Jesus, but I want to know more about him. Or maybe you know that you should have known Jesus by now and you're, and you're not. Or maybe you think, wow, I thought I knew Jesus, but I really don't. I don't think I do. I wonder if I do. You're having these doubts and questions. Well, David, uh, are you here? Where is it? Yeah, David, would you mind coming and, uh, Come over here to this side, and he'll be here and available. If you do not know Jesus and you want to respond today, I pray you do, then take advantage. Come over here. Talk with David. I know he'd be happy to talk with you through that. Regardless, as we enter into a time of worship, respond to the Lord. Respond to his Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing. Father God, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to teach from your word. And I pray, God, that just as the, the, the passage we read, Lord, that your word would dwell in us richly, each and every person in here, that your word would dwell in us richly. As a body, let your word dwell in us richly. As agape, the people of agape, let your word dwell in us richly. And through that, Lord, stir our hearts. Teach us, Holy Spirit, 
to walk in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and teach us to use that to help encourage and admonish each other. As we walk out our relationship with you, let us walk it out together with brothers and sisters in Christ, singing together in worship and prayer, becoming the house of prayer you've called us to be. Lord, I pray that you would move in this place today and that you would you would have your way, Lord. Let us not hold back. And God, that you would uh, stir in the hearts of your people, Lord, as we're focusing specifically today on salvations, Lord. You have placed a number of people on the hearts and minds of everyone in here. And Lord, we ask you to move on the lives of those people that you would send salvation, that you would open their eyes, let them see their sin, let them see their need for a Savior, and let them look to Jesus and be saved. Be glorified today and move as we worship and sing.